Shabbat Shalom. We are absolutely delighted to have a uh, very special friend, a sister in Yeshua, and a gifted musician. Uh, and I can go on and on and embarrass her, but I... Uh, Let me take just a moment uh, to introduce her. Um, Sally, and uh, with collaboration with uh, her husband Michael, came up with a uh, song called Improbable People, which is the name of their ministry. And uh, I got to listen to it, and she called me one day and said... Um, uh, I'm trying to arrange a tour uh, to Denver. Would you be uh, uh, somewhat uh, perhaps uh, interested? My name is Sally Klein O'Connor. I said, Sally Klein O'Connor! <laughs> and uh, we've been blessed ever since. Sally has a unique ministry um, in a messianic Jewish and the body realm in that uh, she taps the heart. And, uh, you know, folks, we live in a broken world, and that's not a great discovery. And uh, she addresses that, but not only addresses that, she also speaks to Shah, to the uh, redemption that the Lord brings and that's, and that's refreshing, folks. It's not just to know that there's brokenness, but to know that there is redemption. Amen? Amen. And um, after she's done, we'll take a love offering for IPM, Improbable People Ministry, and uh, we'll have a, a time of ministry um, as we usually do at the end of the service. So with all that, Sally, would you please come and bless us? to life the few that find it never die past mountain peaks drenched white with snow the way grows brighter as it goes there is a road inside of you inside of me there is one, two, no stumbling pilgrim in the dark, the road to Zion's in your heart, the road to Zion's in your heart. 
river runs beside the road its waters living as they flow in liquid voice the water flows on thirsty knees a pilgrim falls there is a road inside of you No stumbling pilgrim in the dark The road to Zion's in your heart The road to Zion's in your heart Sometimes a shadow Dark and cold Lays like a mist across the road But be encouraged By the light Where there's a shadow There's a light There is a road Inside of you Inside of me There is one no stumbling pilgrim in the dark The road to Zion's in your heart The road to Zion's in your heart Sometimes it's good to look back down We've come so far We've gained such ground But joy is not In where we've been Joy is who's waiting at the end There is a road inside of you Shabbat shalom. I want to take a moment and pray. I want to just ask you to pray for me too. I'm having a little problem, and I'm not sure what it is right now, but, you know, the Lord will work it out. 
So, Abba, I just come before you, submit myself to you, and um, whatever you really want to um, be poured out today, let it be poured out, Father. Lord, I just uh, offer myself before you, Father, to use in the way you see fit, that in all ways it may give you glory and honor you and be an offering that is pleasing in your sight. So, Lord, we ask for your Ruach HaKodesh to meet us here in this place, to speak to us, Father, beyond any ability, beyond any prayers or words or songs that are spoken, Father, throughout the service, that you would meet us here in this place because we long for you. We need you. We were made to be in communion with you. Hashem Yeshua. Amen. I, uh, I was in Poland in, in June, in the early part of June, and I'll be sharing a few pictures from that trip. Some of you know that I have a little project uh, I, I like to call a tour of roses. And um, so I was trying to figure out how to share these pictures, and I decided that I really wasn't going to be able to like sing while I was sharing these pictures. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk as, as some of the pictures go by. Um, but I wanted to give you a little um, of the background of what God has put in my heart um, this year. Um, I, I, I actually, I came back from uh, Poland, and um, it was a two-week trip, and um, it took a while. It's still going on. <laughs> and, um, and I went to this little conference um, in Anaheim, a vineyard conference. And during the conference at different points, you know, I really felt like uh, the Lord was speaking to my heart. You know, he was dealing with my heart. And um, there was this one moment <clears throat> where as we were praying, um, different people were praying and I was praying, um, I, had this, I had this picture of me as a little kid and and it was similar to black and white photos I'd seen when I was very small. And um, my face was uh, not marked at that time. Um, and I could see my face in the picture. And there was just a lot of joy and happiness, you know, being a little kid and all. And, um, and I felt like the Lord was impressing on me that he was holding me there. He was holding me in his arms, you know in this place of joy and happiness, you know. And then, you know, this kind of picture, so to speak, or this impression in my mind, you know, kind of went on a little further. And, and I could no longer see my face because, you know, I, I stopped looking at my face, you know. And so I was no longer to see my face in, these, in the following picture or impression, you know. And for those of you who I've not shared this with, when I was a little kid, I was bitten by a dog. It was a very bad encounter with a German Shepherd dog and ripped open my face and was 100 stitches. And my face was never the same, and I was never the same. And I was uh, referred to as Scarface for many, many years. And it scarred me more than the actual dog biting my face. And... Um, and, and I'm still healing. The Lord is still healing me. 
So, um, so in this, in this, coming back to this little impression, you know, so then I couldn't see my face. I could feel myself, but I couldn't see my face. And, and it was this time that happened after the dog bit me, and I was hanging out. I would go often to sit on this hill above my house, and sometimes I've shared that here too. I would sit on this hill above my house, and I would look up at the sky, and there would be a great longing in my heart for what was behind the sky. You know, now I sit back and I go, okay, that was God, you know. <laughs> but then as a child, I didn't think about that. I just knew I, I was fascinated by the sense that I got that there was something behind the sky, not the solar system, and, you know. But, and my heart longed for that, and there was sweetness in that, and there was a little pain in that, too. And I would go up and sit on the hill for, I was eight years old, nine years old, ten years old, I'd sit there for an hour at a time. Well, in this remembering of this, I wasn't seeing it from the hill. I was seeing it from behind the sky, you know. And it was like, it was like the sense of that God saw me on that hill. And his longing, his longing was so much more than my longing. And my longing was a very pale reflection of a fraction of that longing. And that God's longing for this little shadow on the hill was so much greater. And I, had, I knew that intellectually. You know, I've been a believer for, I don't know, a long time. <laughs> but then I had a real sense of what that meant, that he longed for me in a way that I, I didn't even understand, couldn't imagine. And I say that to say that, you know, I, I think I've gone all around the subject in my walking with the Lord, all around the subject of his love for me. And only in these last few years have I realized that the core of the subject is his love for me. And that if I, you know, we, we say the Shema and we, the Hafta, you know, if we love him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, as it says in uh, the Gospels, we will not fail to love our neighbor. It just follows suit. We will not fail to love our enemy because our, our, the love that we have experienced from him and thereby are responding to that we're loving him with all that we are. There's no room for otherwise. There's no room for all the things that we learned as children because we were hurt or young adults to protect ourselves and shelter ourselves and filter out, you know, whether it was judgment or pushing away or all the little things we did. There will only be more and increasing more room for the love that he wants to express in and through us, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Tada. So, um, anyway, as I was getting ready for this trip in um, Poland, it was, uh, it was very different than the last two. I, I've done this little um, ministry trip called the Tour of Roses. Now, it, it's three times. 
and it's a it's a ministry of healing and reconciliation you know the I felt like the Lord gave me this wonderful uh, way of uh, seeing the passing out of these roses um, it's like um the roses are a tangible expression of the extravagant love of God. And um, the first tour of roses we did was in 2009, and we went to places like Dachau and Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen. But the thing that we did a little differently was we went to the towns, and we reached out to the people in those towns. And we handed out the roses to the Poles and to the Germans as Jews, many of us Jews who were believers in Jesus. And we didn't do it to get them to love us. We, we did it just to express the extravagant love of God that we are all invited to enter into. And see, you know, I grew up in a, I don't know, liberal Jewish home, you know. But we knew, we knew certain things, you know. We celebrated the Passover and we went to the services on high holy days, on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you know. And we knew that these were the things that we did because we were Jews. If you would ask my father, why do we do them because we're Jews? My father couldn't go much further than that, but we knew that this was part of being Jewish. Just as we understood different feelings and prejudices and judgments that we had because we were Jewish and what happened to those who were Jewish, friends and family. And I grew up with a, an attitude in my family that the Lord kind of lifted out and showed me. And it was, had to do with the Holocaust. And it was the idea that we as Jews would never have done those kind of things. And so therefore, we really couldn't understand why anybody would ever do that because we would never do those kind of things. And there are things that Paul, Rav Shaul, says when he says that all have sinned and fallen short. All have sinned. And I think that sometimes we think of that as we're a little less than perfect perfection. We're working our way there. We're forgiven, but I think that we need to consider a little more deeply what it means when God says, through Paul, all have sinned. And I had an experience that I want to share with you before the song, and it was in relation to going to Poland this year. I was in Minnesota, and I was on tour in March, and it was the night before I broke my foot, you know? And um, I was at this little pastor's house, you know, friends of mine for a long time. And um, he was kind enough to invite people over to the house after the service to hear about a tour of roses if they wanted to hear. And so these 
rural Minnesotans came to the house, you know, very nice group of people, and they started to introduce themselves, and they started to introduce themselves and why they wanted to hear about a tour of roses and what touched them about that idea, you know, because I had shared in the Sunday morning service. And they said, some of them said, I, I just don't understand how that kind of thing happens. I, I just don't understand. And I, I just felt like my hackles went up on the back of my, you know, and I just went, yeah. Well, actually, I think we're supposed to understand it. I think we're just supposed to understand it and not have compassion for the acts, but understand that everyone can be caught and trapped and deceived and become a tool of the enemy. And um, that night after I had shared, um, I had this very deep dream. And the dream was just that I was the perpetrator. I was the person who committed the evil. I was the person who committed unspeakable acts in this dream. And I thought when I woke up, you, you know, please, God, take my life before any of that ever happens, God. If I would ever be given to any of that, take my life, you know. And I thought that that must be from the devil, that dream. But what it brought me to was a soberness of spirit to understand that apart from him, no good thing lives in me. And, and we Mickey Mouse that statement, you know? But apart from me, no good thing lives in me. And when we say things like, I wouldn't do that, or I don't understand how that happens, well, actually, every part of your flesh understands very well how that would happen, you know? The only one who can say, I don't understand, or the only one who would say and has a right to say, I would never do that, is the one we worship. So his life in us would never do that. But how much rain do we give his life in us? You know, and after that nightmare, you know, the Lord showed me just one thread, one thread in my being. Simple little thread, harmless little thread rather do the task than be with the people rather do the thing that is serving God you know the task and just finish it even if my daughter has a scrape on her knee or something that she needs my attention for just a minute let me finish the task let me finish this last little bit I would rather do the task it's easier it's where I hide it's safer and you know, so many Germans were just doing a task. They didn't want to see what their task led to. They didn't want to take responsibility. Jobst uh, Bittner, the German pastor, he says it's the sin of indifference. Would I 
betray you with a kiss For thirty priests sell my soul to sin Is Judas just a page from history Or does he live inside my skin What would make me what would make me say I don't know you? An angry crowd, the smell of death. So many times I've denied you, served another, stroked my flesh.
pure and wondrous perfume poured a sweet and holy wine Lord live in me the only way I will ever be free is if you I first came to the Lord, there was a passage um, in Galatians 2 um, that I, uh, there were many passages I struggled with. I, I didn't feel like um, I needed to believe that just because I had asked uh, Yeshua, Jesus, to be uh, Lord of my life. Actually, I had not asked him to be Lord of my life. I had asked him into my life. I had asked him to come and and forgive my sins, and, and, and to be, uh, you know, to live in my heart, but I did, not, uh, I did not subscribe to the idea of him being, like, Lord of my life, all my choices, and everything like that. I was not, I was very rebellious, and I wasn't big on authority. I had problems with authority. <laughs> so, so, um, so there came a point where, um, you know, all these scriptures, you know, I don't, you know, I want to be a slave to sin, offer my, the members of myself to the Lord, you know, um, be a, a living sacrifice to him, you know, um, uh, be, that he would be Lord of my life. And then this, this one was the crux, you know, um, where, uh, where it says in Galatians, um, uh, I no longer live, you know, um, let's do this justice. Messiah lives in me. I no longer live. You know, I have been crucified um, with Messiah, and I no longer live, but Messiah lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Oh, how he loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, I think I did it there. Yes. And you know, 
the whole idea of him living in me and that I don't longer live, you know, it's like, well, wait a minute, I don't know that I signed up for that, you know? <laughs> and then, but the more that I tried to live the life that I saw was good and right, the more incapable, I mean, you know, Michael for a while when we were, we were, we started the ministry, Michael and I, we kind of uh, went around on 1 Corinthians 13 for a year, we read it. It was the most depressing thing to do. We read 1 Corinthians 13 to each other every day for a year and just went, well, I guess that's not happening. You know, it was just not happening, you know. And, and the power to live that life was not anywhere in Sally, but in Mashiach. And the more that he lived in me, the more the beauty I could see of the people around me, including myself a little bit more, and the kingdom, the kingdom that he's bringing, his love and his life in people's lives. And that's how I came to a tour of roses. I didn't come because Sally thought it was a good idea. Sally had been taught, as many of us were taught, to stay away from Germany and maybe Poland too. And the Lord addressed that in my life and brought me to a place where I saw that his heart was the same heart reaching for the little kid on the, on the hill who was all alone and longing for him. His heart was longing for all those children and grandchildren of the people who perpetrated atrocities to the Jewish people. And even if God wills, and certainly he wills, that some of those whose hands are stained by that blood might receive the mercy of God and know the love that he has for them and the cleansing and the healing that he has for them. But that doesn't come from wishing it so or good intentions or or anything in me that comes from Mashiach in us, the hope of glory. That's the wonder of this walk, that we're not alone in our souls anymore, that the one who made us and knows us and knows all our tricky parts, all those places that if they were allowed to run rampant might lead us to places we couldn't even fathom in our worst nightmares. The one who knows us, loves us, gave everything for us to be united with him. That he, I, I'm thinking about it, that we're like this, you know, wild vine. And he's like this, you know, I'm going to grow you up around in me, in me, you know. He is the vine and we are the branches. It's his life, his sap in us. I'm not even sure I can sing this next song, but we'll go for it. Um, you know, this is actually, okay. Actually, this is a song we wrote for my father. <laughs> okay, this is, <laughs> this is a song we wrote for my father years and years ago when we started the ministry, you know. My father was somebody I hated. I don't know if you really understand I hated him there were times I wished him dead 
I didn't understand all the reasons I hated him, you know. He'd hurt me, and that was all I knew, that he hurt me. And I was angry and full of wrath, and I wanted to hurt him back, you know. And I didn't know any better, not as a kid, not as a young adult, not as a woman who was 27 and who had just come to the Lord at the time. And God, in his mercy and his kindness, turned my head to see, to see what he saw when he looked at my father. A man who had failed, a man who had blown it, a man who knew he was a failure. And you know, a man who needed love, the love of God, and all I could give him at the time was my hate. And so we, you know, we wrote this song for my father because, you know, I forgave him. I never said those words. But I forgave him. I loved him. And as I began to love him, he began to love me. And he began to draw near to Jesus. And, well, you know, my father accepted the Lord when he was 82, you know. When well, we wrote this song, you know, and we began to, I began to sing, and I say we, Mike wrote the words, you know. Mike's, Mike's my, do I want to say this? Yeah. Mike's my better half in many ways. He is. Mike wrote a lot of the words of our songs. And this song we wrote for my dad, and for everyone that wanted to see their dad or their mom or their friend or every one that they knew come to the Lord and be in the kingdom of God, you know. But today this song is for all those people, for people that you love, people that you hope to see come into the kingdom of God, to know the goodness of God, to have communion with the one who made us through his son. But it's also for the people we hate, the people that we don't forgive, And I just invite you to take the time and to consider, can you say these words to those people? Can you pray for them what maybe they can't even pray for themselves because they hate themselves or because there's so much shame or there's so much denial that they can't even face the shame of what they feel? Can you begin to pray? I just want to see you there. Please don't ask me not to care. I don't want to sit at his table next to an empty chair. I just really want to see you there. Between us, we both know 
You don't really think I'm blind or crazy. No, sometimes I believe that I must be. What kind of lunatic throws out all reason and gives a life to someone? I 
just really want to see you there. Yeah, I just really want to see you there. I don't know who you were thinking of or praying for or singing that song. I was thinking of the people of Fuck. Yedvabni. Yedvabni is this little town in Poland that has the ignominious distinction of symbolizing so many towns in Poland <clears throat> that did the same thing during the war and after the war. They burned the Jews. They burned their neighbors and their friends. They rounded them up and burned them in a barn, alive. Yedvabni. I read about Yedvabni in 2008 as, as God works things out, you know. I was, I was trying to figure out what it was the Lord was speaking to me. And it was my second time in Germany and in Poland. And I was in this little bookstore in Krakow. And, and I was uh, wandering in the Jewish quarter in Krakow, which is not all that Jewish. And uh, I went to the little bookstores, you know, and I said so. They had all these Jewish bookstores selling Judaica. And, and I, I went to the people who were selling the, selling the books and everything. And, and I said, so, so are you Jewish? Because I didn't know. I'd never been to Krakow before. I said, no. Some of them went, you know, no. You know, I mean, they did whatever they did to express that no. And maybe they were happy they weren't Jewish. I said, well, I don't know. You're selling all these Jewish books and music, you know, because I'm Jewish. And then I made it okay for them. I just said, I'm Jewish. And I, I just wondered, it's a beautiful story you have. It's a beautiful story. But I came into this one bookstore, and I, you know, I, I just kept asking the question. I can't even tell you why. I just kept asking. I needed to know. And I asked this one woman behind the uh, counter, and I said, I said, so, so are you Jewish? She said, no, but I love the Jewish people. I went, wow. One out of mm, 10, 15, I'm always one. She said, yeah. She said, you know, I love the Jewish people. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, I'm writing a thesis right now. I'm in college and I'm writing a thesis. And, 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 and my, my people are going to be very upset by this thesis. And I said, really, what is it you're writing? And she said, well, I'm writing about what, what we did what the Poles did. And she said, you know, we don't wanna, we don't wanna look at it, but you know, we need the truth. We need to examine, we need to look at the truth. And I said, well, I didn't really know at that point what the Poles had done, and she told me. This Polish woman told me. And then she gave me this book. She said, have you ever read this book, Neighbors? And I said, no. And she gave me this book, and it was about the town of Yedvabni. 
And I want to tell you, I think it's fair to say that not everything in that book is as accurate as it should be. But there's enough in that book. It's very, very shaming and indicting. Not just for Yedvabni, but for Poland. <clears throat> so I read that book in 2008, and in 2009 I, I led the first Tour of Roses, and Tour of Roses, we hand out roses. I'm not showing any pictures today, <laughs> I can tell. So I, we hand out roses, and, and, we, and, and I do concerts, and, and, and then, and then uh, we also pray and worship in the places where uh, the exterminations took place in the camps. And we pray for the ground to be healed and made whole and the people of the land to be healed and made whole and the Jewish people and their families, the families of those who perished, who were killed. This is what we do. So in 2009, we did it for the first time and we went, like I said, to Dachau and Auschwitz and, and, uh, and Bergen and it was an amazing experience and people came to the Lord. My friend who is on the team, she's a Polish woman, Magda. She approached me, we talked afterwards through Skype, and she said, have you ever heard of the town Yedvabni? And I said, yeah, I read the book. I said, it's, uh, it took me a year to read the book. It's a skinny book. She said, do you think we might ever go there and do a tour of roses there? And I said, Ah, uh, ah, uh, I don't know, my stomach just started clenching up. I thought it was going to throw up. I said, Sally was having a very hard time, you know. And Magda said, you know, I think there's a lot of shame. I said, really? really? According to everybody else, they don't even acknowledge that they did this. So we went to Yedvabni, uh, 2010, and we handed out roses, and it was an amazing, extraordinary experience. Yedvabni is a place of, you can see the oppression. You can feel the oppression. There are drunks out at two, one, two in the afternoon in the town square all over the place saying all kinds of things. I told my team we were not going to really engage. We were, we were going to hand out roses, and... We're going to let them think about why we were doing this. And we'll read the card that is attached. It's on my table. Every rose had a card. And it's, like I said, on my table. And so people did. They wept. They hugged us. When they heard that we were Jewish, they were very, you know, I mean, they were very welcoming. And women, especially the men, were a little sp suspicious and asked questions. But no one had ever done anything like that. And we didn't ask them the question that everybody asks them. Who did it? Who did it? Where are the people who did it? Where are the houses they lived in? Show us, tell us, explain to us why, you know, all of those kind of questions. We didn't come after them with those questions. The Polish media, the Jewish media had come after them with those questions. But, you know, it wasn't that I didn't care. It wasn't that I didn't want to know. There was a part of me that wanted to know. There was a part of me that wondered, well, didn't you guys really do this? You did it, not the Germans, you did it. We went again this year, and as many of you know, um, we had a team, Heather and Sam Walker were on the team. I was very grateful for them. Sam drove us the last week of our tour. 
And, and it was quite exciting. Sam drove us through Warsaw, you know, during the Euro Games in a car he'd never driven before, with traffic he'd never encountered before, with, his, with Heather telling him how to drive and the rest of us telling him how to drive and what to look out for. So it was a miracle we all lived through Sam driving us through Warsaw. That was a miracle. You know, Sam put up with us. That was good, you know. But we, uh, we went again to um, Yedvabni, and this time we did engage the people. And, um, and the, people, the people said, you know, you know, we had these little prayer cards that people had written prayers of blessing on from all over the country, from places where I toured. People wrote prayers of blessing for Yedvabni and signed their names knowing what Yedvabni was about. I asked them for this. And I gave, we gave out some of the cards, but every time we gave out a card, people would say, you know, we didn't do this. We didn't do this. And the first person that we encountered who said this was a man whose family actually protected a six-year-old Jewish girl during the night that they burned all the Jews. He protected this, their family protected this little six-year-old girl, and she grew up and married one of the brothers, and she had died the Saturday before we came to Yedvabni. Um, and this man, too, he said, you know, you don't know what it's like to have guns pointing at you, telling you to do these things. You know, they were pointing guns, and I just listened. Heather and I and Bibi, we were standing with this man, and we just listened. And it was at the point that this man was talking that something shifted in me. And I realized it doesn't matter to me anymore who did this. It doesn't matter to me anymore who did this. It's the nature, it's the sin nature of human beings. And the question is, do I want to see them there? Do I long for them to be there with any of the longing that God has for me to be there? Do I long for them to be at his table that their sins would be made white as snow, that they would be washed and cleansed? We, uh, we were invited to sit with the priest. We went to the mass. There was a word given um, to me during the mass, and I shared it with the priest, and he was open to it. He was really open to it, and the word was, I felt like the Lord was saying, I'm reaching for these people beyond the priest. I'm reaching for these people beyond them, beyond the priest. I'm reaching for the priest as well. And I want, and there will be healing in this town. And the priest, the priest received it. He received it, which surprised me. I didn't know how he would receive it. But there was one other thing I said to the priest, which, you know, he had, he had trouble with. He said many good things. He said, you know, there's going to be one day one flock and one shepherd. This is a Catholic priest in this town. He said one flock and one shepherd, you know, and the Messianic Jews are a sign of that to come. 
that there will be one flock and one shepherd. You know, and to hear this in this place from a priest, you know. And so I said to him, I said, you know, I know that we both agree that this town needs tremendous healing. Um, and how will it heal? And, you know, we talked about different things. And then I said, you know, there's one other thing in my heart. I said, I, I know it's hard. I know it's a really hard idea. I said, but I just want to say it to you. I said, what if, what if we said Kaddish together at the memorial? There's a memorial on the edge of town. And, and the memorial for the Jews that were burned, it's a, a stone slab. And it's a slab of wood in the center that was charred in the burning from the barn. It's a very difficult, simple, painful reminder. And nobody goes there except the Jews, except the people who want to remember. And it isn't that town. And I said, what if we said Kaddish together? What if we stood there together and said, Kaddish? And he said, I, you know, he basically said, I don't know how that would happen. That's really hard. And I didn't feel like it was something he was opposed to. I felt like it was just like, I don't know how that happens. And I thought, yeah, me too. I don't know how that happens either. But I just want to say that, that that could be part of the healing. That might be part of the healing. And so we went there. You know, we went there to, to be at the memorial at the end after we said goodbye to the priest and we went there to the memorial and we worshiped and prayed and everything. And I, I looked up the road, you know, and there's this one man walking. There's nothing out here except this memorial and farmland. And this one guy is walking from the town toward us. And he says, Kaddish with us. And you know, I'm, 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 I was amazed. I was blown away. You know, I don't know how healing will happen in Yadvavni. I just know God wants to heal Yadvavni, and and I believe we'll probably go there again, because it's His desire. I think that what gets stuck in us is is so many things to epitomize what keeps us from stepping out of, to epitomize what keeps us from that fullness of expressing God's love in enemy territory, in the worst place, is that we're still, we're still more in our flesh than we are in, in Mashiach. We're st I'm still more Sally than I am his. And the more I'm his, the more the beauty I can see in how he wants to change the world. The more I'm me, the more reasons I have not to participate. And they're all valid human reasons. But there's something more beautiful that God wants to do and that he invites us to through his love.
again, I'm not sure I can really sing this, but I'm going to close with this song. It's a song I wrote last year, and, and it's called Love is Reaching. And, you know, we, we gave out, just to encapsulate what happened, you know, we gave out 4,000 roses together in Warsaw. So many people were so moved. We did three, I did three concerts, and people came and received the Lord. There were people who were in shame, people who were hurting, people who were forgotten. I mean, I'll just tell you if there's, you know, if, you, if any of you want to know more about what happened in, in, in this trip, I have a report and I send it to Chaim and I'm happy to send it to any of you if you want to give your email. I'll send it to you. And, but I want to say this, I'm, I'm going next year to Berlin. That's what he's put in my heart. I don't know what I'm doing, you know. I just know that I see something really extraordinarily beautiful. And I know it's God. I know it's his kingdom. And I don't want to miss it. is reaching for the lost and for the lame love is reaching for the grieving and the shamed stretched across all time and story calling us to come all the burdened and the broken find their healing Love is reaching for the blind who say they see. Love is reaching for the righteous who don't need. Wounded by our sin and pride, forgiving as he died. Mercy streaming, never ceasing from his hands and feet and sight.
holding out his arms to those who struggle to believe. He's the mercy of the Father come to set his children free. close with this thought. I was always taught that the prodigal son, when he came to himself, he repented at that point. And I heard recently a very interesting way of, of thinking about that story. That What the prodigal son did was when he came to himself, eating with the pigs and realizing that he could at least have some kind of life as a servant at his father's house. He did the math, and he went home. You know? He did the math, and he went home. And then his father said, You're my son. You're my son. He didn't ask him what he did. He didn't ask him countless questions. He didn't know all that. He didn't need to know all that. He said, you are my son. Sometimes I think we forget that he loved us before we repented. It was his love that brought us to repentance. It was his mercy and his kindness that brought us to repentance. It's a scary thing to be in this body with all the violence around and extend kindness to people who may snap your hand off and worse. But may also take the invitation and be changed forever. And I believe that's what we're called to do. We're called to extend that invitation in the power of his life in us, in the love that he's poured out in us. And it's an amazing thing. So thanks for listening. You guys are kind of like family to me. So. I have the sense that we were all 
touched and impacted in different ways. Whether we're Jews or Gentiles, men or women, I just really sense that what has been taking place here is the presence of God and that, and that this is Makom Kadosh, a holy place. <clears throat> In a moment, we're going to take an offering, a love offering for uh, Sally and Michael's ministry, uh, IPM. But as soon as we do, I'd like to encourage everybody to stand and worship and receive what it is that God wants to continue to give you. A number of us will be standing up front, ready to pray with you if you choose to come up front. But I believe that as God has been touching you, <clears throat> would you please respond to Him? You know, the Lord gives us these divine appointments, these special moments when, when He comes and touches us. And we have the opportunity to respond to him. And we can do that or else blow it away. Just kind of not interested. Respond to him today. In, in whatever way the Lord has been speaking to you today. Respond to him. And work with his program with what he wants to do in your life. Let's pray for a moment. Lord God, we thank and praise you for raising improbable people ministry, Lord. Lord, you use improbable people to do impossible tasks. We thank you, Lord, for Sally and for Mike. Pray, Lord God, you're rich blessing to be poured out on them, Lord. We pray, Lord God, for an abundance of encouragement, abundance of provision. Lord God, that in every situation, in all circumstances, they will abound to every good work, Lord. We pray, Lord God, that these hands that get tired and droop, Lord God, would be held high, Lord God. And that your kingdom will continue to expand and break through powerfully, Lord, in ways it hasn't before. We pray, Lord God, that for the outpouring of your ruach, your special anointing on Sally and Michael, Lord. May you receive... Much honor and glory in their life, Lord, as you touch them and through them, Lord, as you, you touch other people. Pray, Lord God, that everything that comes today, financially, Lord God, would be used of you in the expansion of your kingdom, that you would receive honor and glory, the name of Yeshua. Amen. As the Lord leads you, please give generously.
that falls from heaven it rests upon the widow and the poor the broken and abandoned child too may they find their hope in God may they find their hope in you and I fall apart in the arms of the Yeah. 